Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you happy this morning? Yes. Awesome. Hallelujah. Man, I tell you what, I've had a great time, met so many of you, and it's really been, uh, again, just a privilege to be part of something like this. And, and especially, as Andrew said, it depends so much upon how people receive the word. And, uh, and really, that's really what it's all about. You know, if your hearts are ready. So this morning, I really just would, again, encourage you. I know, you know, a conference like this is great and everything, but I know it is taxing on your body. And, you know, sometimes you just get tired. Anybody get tired this, this weekend? Or this time? I, but, you know, that's <laughs> crucified. But, you know, um, just do whatever uh, it takes within your own heart this morning. Let's just come before the Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that as we come, as we've just entered into this time of worship and become aware again, Father, that you have never left us. You've never forsaken us. And I thank you, Lord, that we, we set our hearts ready for your word this morning, ready to receive what you have for us. Thank you, Lord, that you give us insight into your truth, the revelation that brings change to every man in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, yesterday, we, we, uh, in my session, we talked about the real stuff of life. And um, we were talking about that, you know, the, the friendship with God. One of the things that, that uh, stood out for me is, is that scripture that we read out of Romans chapter 5 and verse, uh, verse 8 through to verse 11. And verse 11 says, so now, and this is the New Living Translation, he says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God all because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us in making us friends of God. And we saw, you know, that, that so many people, I know that many of you have come and spoken to me about this in, in your own life. And that is so many people are just tired, worn out, uh, disillusioned with the, the pretense that that we have even in church, that religion has dished up for us. And, 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 and the real stuff of life. If, you know, if you're here this week because you say, you know, I want the real stuff. Is anybody here that says, I want the real stuff? Yeah. The real stuff of life. What really makes life worthwhile. Then I believe God knows what that is. Amen. And, and we saw that Jesus said that he gives us the keys of, or, the, or the principles or the insight for the kingdom of God. And one of those, and I know there's a lot more you can say about the kingdom of God. But I believe that the, that the, the true essence of the kingdom of God, that which unlocks the real stuff of life, is relationship and intimacy and friendship. I like to call it friendship with God. I think friendship with God brings to us a, 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 a revelation, really, of the, of the intent of God's heart. You know, God has done, turn with me in your Bibles, I wasn't going to go here, but let's go to 2 Corinthians, just very briefly, just to set the, uh, the, the, the tone for where I want to go this morning. In um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and you know, these are verses that I'm sure you have, have read many times and heard being ministered. But let's read there from Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new 
uh, creature altogether or a new species. I like to say a new species. You are a new, if you are in Christ, anybody here in Christ? You are a new species. What species are you? You are a God species. Man, I tell you something, I, I, that is a powerful statement, I know. And, and to many people, that is like kind of shudders within your bones, you know. What do you mean a God speak? You are born of God. You are of the genus of God. You know, Paul spoke about this in Acts. And, 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 and it talks about when he was in, in Mars Hill, he was, he was ministering to a bunch of heathen. And, you know, he uses, talk about, you know, that song, Amazing Grace being a bar song. Here comes Paul, and he uses a song that was a pagan song, a pagan poem. He says, in him we live and move and have our being. We think that's a Christian song. No, that was a pagan song. But he, he used that because these people could understand. And, and these people are here. You know, here's the thing that we don't understand about the world out there and what God has done for the world. You know, of course, that God so loved the world. Not Christians. It doesn't say God so loved a group of people over here who identify with this. No, he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, man. I'm going to preach over here. <laughs> Those guys are... <laughs> oh, come on now. It's true. And, and, and what we don't understand is that, that the world doesn't... Paul stands there and he gets up and he says, I have an opportunity to talk to these guys. They have no clue who God is. He says, I see that you have an, an uh, uh, you know, uh, um, what do they call it? Uh, an idol. What is it? It's a... <laughs> altar. An altar. To the, to the unknown God. He says, let me tell you about him. And then he says this. He says, you don't really even realize. The fact that you move, live, breathe is because of him. You've, you've been bought with a price. You know, the world out there doesn't know. We tell them, no, you need to buy your way into the kingdom. No, you have already been purchased. It's been paid for you. And then he says this. He says, in him we live and move our being. Why? For we, now notice Paul says this. Now I know this is going to mess some people's theology up. But you know, maybe you need a little messing up in your theology. Paul does not say, in him I live and move and have my being. He says, "In, in him we, and he includes himself with them. And then he says this, for we are his offspring. And he uses the word genos. But but Arthur, how can they, they they haven't accepted Jesus Christ. I know, but Christ has accepted them. They just don't know it yet. He died for them. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature so if you're in christ you've accepted jesus christ you are a brand new species amen now watch this now now watch what he says and he goes on verse 19 or verse 18 he says but all these things is because you did the right things oh okay hang on all these things that are now new about you is of God. 
you see, I know the, the way that you look at it, the way I used to always look at it, is that, okay, it's, it's sanctioned by God. No, 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 no. What he's saying is this. Everything that is new about you, God did it for you. He did it. He even did it before you knew it. Okay. All right. <laughs> he says, I like this. He says, for everything, these things are from God through whom... Jesus Christ reconciled. There's that word we we used yesterday. See, God has done. Listen carefully to what I'm saying here because this is a powerful statement. This will keep you busy for the rest of the year if you you really meditate upon it. God has done everything necessary to produce the results needed for your salvation, for your deliverance, for your healing. For every aspect of your life and for your friendship with God. God has done it all. All is that's required of you is, will you receive it? Amen. Will you receive this invitation? He has already made friends. He's reconciled you. He has removed all enmity, all hostility. He has done everything necessary. He, pres- he produced the results needed. See, they were results that were needed. But he produced them. And, and I like what he says here. He says, he brought us into harmony with himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. And this is really what I want to talk about here. He said, you know, God has done this. This is who we are. We have a relationship, a new relationship. We should glory in this new relationship that we have with God. What is this new relationship? That we have been made the friends of God. He says, but now, because of this, it is up to us to proclaim this. It's up to us now. He's given us the ministry, the, 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 the responsibility to tell people, to inform people, to show people, to bring them to that place. Notice what he says here in verse 19. Oh, let me finish verse 18 there. He says, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into this harmony or this relationship. You know, I tell you something, that, that I have dedicated my life, my ministry, for, it's like Andrew said, I, I have no plans for retirement. I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing this, I will do whatever it takes. I will go to the smallest, to the biggest, to the, to the furthest places in the world, the churches that I will go to, the ministries I'll do, I, I will do because of this purpose. I want the, the people to know this because I tell you now, the world out there does not know this. And notice what he says, verse 19. It was God personally present in Christ. Reconciling, making friends with, and restoring the, say it with me, the world. Guys, I know that there's a lot of questions that you might have right here. But he has reconciled the world. He has made friends with the world. I mean, imagine being able to go to a rank sinner who has no idea and walking up to them and say, I have good, good news for you. Do you know that God is your friend? I don't know about you, but I don't think there's very few people that can resist that. They might put up an act, but boy, it will shake them to the core. Because you know what? Most people don't think that God would give them the time of day. 
But he has made, he was personally present in Christ, making friends with the world. Bringing them it says, with the world to favor with himself, not counting up or holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us. Again, notice the message of reconciliation, this message of friendship with God. Verse 20 says, so we are uh, Christ's ambassadors. You know, we teach this, you know, from the perspective we're the ambassadors. And that's true. But, you know, that's not what Paul was trying to get across here. Paul was just saying, I'm a representative of God. And he says, and I like the way he puts it here in the Amplified. God making his appeal, as it were, through us to you. That means that, how do we do that? We need to make an appeal to people. We need to appeal to people as it's, because it will be God in us appealing to people. What are we appealing for? He says, appealing to, uh, to, uh, through us as, he says, we are as, uh, where am I now? We as Christ's personal representative beg you for his sake. Now he says, I beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be the friend of God. Man, that's powerful. You know, uh, the reality of it is, is that the world today that we live in, people are just desperate for intimate relationship. They are desperate. You know, uh, I was talking to people yesterday about this, but... The world today is just so desperate. I mean, just think about the social media today. You know, Facebook. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, well, you know, MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, all these social networks that we have on the Internet. I was just absolutely blown away the other day when I started reading up just about Facebook alone. Just Facebook alone. Facebook has, and if I got the statistics wrong, then I got it wrong off the internet, but the statistics are over 500 million members and growing. I mean, just, now, I don't know if you'd realize this. That is the population of the United States and the UK put together. I don't know about you guys, but that's, I mean, that's awesome. That shows me that people are desperate, that they will go and have a relationship through a computer. They can't even touch people. But that's the only avenue where they feel they can have some kind of relationship. Why? Because we today, in the world that we live in today, you know, people are just, so desperate for this relationship. But the problem, though, is the whole concept of friendship and intimacy is, a, is, 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 is gone. It's non-existent in our world. Now, I know there are exceptions to the rule. But in reality, people just don't know how to relate to one another. And how, what does it take? What is a true friend? What does it mean? Anybody here want to know what does it mean? To be a true friend. Let's, let's go, with, go with me there to Mark. The Gospel of Mark. Chapter 2. And, and we'll read from verse 1. Here's a, a, a really good 
story that I believe is, is going to give us some, maybe not all, but give us some insight into what it is to be a true friend. What it is to have true friendship. It says in Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to again read out of the New Living Translation, it says, Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news of his arrival spread quickly through the town. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for one more person, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Verse 3 says, now notice here, verse 3 says, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. I think one other translation says, Four friends came. Carrying a paralyzed man on a mat or on a, on a carpet. They couldn't get into Jesus through the crowd. So they dug through the clay roof above his head. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said unto the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then in verse 9, I'm going to skip a couple of verses here. Verse 9 says, he said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, you know, at first glance, when we look at the story, I just see that this gives us an illustration of what it means to be a true friend. These four guys that came were, were true friends. Why? Well, yesterday, if you remember yesterday, I said, when we understand true friendship, true friendship is when we have somebody in our lives who knows our past. He knows our failures. He knows our intimate fears. He knows our inabilities. He knows our Achilles heel, as it were, those things that trip us up. He knows those things, but yet he believes in our future. He believes, he's somebody who says, I know, I know who you are. I know some of the stuff that you would never share with anybody else, but I know who you are. I know what's going on in your life. I know the way you think, but I do believe you have a future. I believe that you have a future. And I like, I think the way that I said it was like, uh, to, that, but he, he knows your future, accepts you today the way you are, but won't leave you the way you are. These four friends knew their friend who was paralyzed. They knew all of his stuff. So the first thing that I saw out of this, and it, this might be insignificant to you, but when I look at it, this is what I saw. I saw four friends. Now, notice that their names are not mentioned. Have you noticed that? I mean, nobody knows their names. Why? Because the first thing about true friendship is that friends that are your true friends are not friends for their own sake. They are not in it for themselves. These guys are anonymous because they did not come there so that they would be known. They came there because they cared about their friend. And so when we look at this from, from that perspective, then, you know, the, 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 true, the true reality of it is that true friendship is when you are in it, not for yourself. Now, the Bible gives us some really good insights into what true friendship is, but we can only ever really understand it when we understand our friendship with God. 
Now let's go and have a look there. Go with me to Ephesians. Ephesians, uh, I'm going to go in the Amplified Bible. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says in the the Amplified. And then I'm going to read it also out of the, the Message Bible. It says, therefore be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitating their father. And walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Slain offering, a slain offering and a sacrifice to God for you so that it so that uh, that it came or became a sweet smelling savor, an offering. Now listen to what it says here in the message. Now, how many of you give me permission to use the message? Because some Christians, they don't. Uh, but I like the message because although it's not a translation, it brings things out uh, in a way that, uh, that I really enjoy. Now watch this here in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, watch what God does. And then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. So what's he saying? He says, watch. Look at what, how God does things. How, how, how's God going to do and what will he do when he's a friend? Now watch what he says here. I love this. He says, mostly what God does is love you. Oh, man. Come on. Mostly, he says, now watch what God does. He says, but mostly what you're going to find out when you watch what God does, you'll see that mostly what he does is he's loving people. He loves people. He loves you. Then he says this. He says, uh, keep company with him and learn a life of love. He says, observe how Christ loved us. Observe. Look at how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. You know, what's he saying? He says, Christ, when he loved us, when, when, when Jesus demonstrated friendship with man from God's perspective, he wasn't cautious about this. He wasn't kind of saying, well, should I or shouldn't I? Must I or mustn't I? Well, you know, I'm not too sure if I should. No, he was extravagant. What's that word extravagant? The word extravagant means this. Over the top. Hallelujah. Beyond reason. Say, come on, ridiculous. But beyond reason. Beyond. That means whatever reason you might have right now for thinking that God couldn't be your friend, his friendship gear goes beyond that. Whatever reason you have. There's no reason. Now notice, and I like this. He says, he, it was not a cautious but extravagant. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to get everything of himself to us. Oh, man. Listen, I tell you, you've got to listen to this very carefully. Because this is one of those areas that if we, because, you know, we talk about the love of God. We talk about friendship. We talk about, you know, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Guys, let me tell you something. You know what this means? It means that God is a friend with you, but it's, it was not, it's not about him wanting something from you. 
does it mean? No ulterior motives, guys. A true friend is a friend with you and has no ulterior motives. You see, I'm telling you now, you don't understand that. Because as human beings, we have never actually ever had any relationship that we didn't have ulterior motives. I'll just let that hang around a little. But you see, when you understand true friendship from God, you've got to understand this. He wants to be your friend, but He's not coming to be your friend. And after you accept Him and you start having fellowship with Him, all of a sudden He comes up with a surprise and wanting something from you you're not able to give, not willing to give. Come on. I know that people say, well, you know, well, well, surely, surely we have to change. Jesus did not come and be a friend with you to change you. That's not, that was not his purpose. To just change you. To, because that would be ulterior motives. He came and said, I love you just the way you are. But when you accept this, you can't stay the same. I mean, it, the change is not going to come. Hey, listen, come, have you ever been friends with somebody? Come now. <laughs> friends with somebody, and then as you become friends and get, to, get acquainted, you find out that they're always trying to change you. They're always trying to make you conform to what they want you to be in this relationship. Right. Yeah. And, and, and as soon as you realize these things, I, I don't want to change. But well, if you want to be in this relationship, you better change. That almost sounds like what most preaching is about. Come on now. I mean, you, you listen to a lot of guys preach, preach the gospel, and it's like, come to Jesus. He'll receive you just the way you are. He loves you, brother. The moment you come to Jesus, you, give, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and the moment you do that, now you've got to do all these things. Man, I can remember, I can remember sitting in the second row of a, of a church one day, and I'm, I, I was miserable. Because I was told when I came and accepted you that he accepts me just the way I am. And that he loves me just the way I am. And then when, when I was there for a couple of months, all of a sudden I realized how that now, if I want to stay in with God, if I want to stay in and have God on my side, I've got to do all these things which I knew I couldn't do. I couldn't give it. I wanted to maybe, but I couldn't. I know that none of you know what I'm talking about, but... <laughs> <laughs> Amen. No. When, you see, you can be sure that when God says he's your friend, he says, I am not come into your life so that I could get something out from... Okay, let me ask you this. Can, can we just be rational? Sometimes Christians are just not rational. I know. It's like we're so spiritual, you know. But just think about this rationally. Is there really anything you have... That God wants. I mean that he's short of. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, no, it's not. Well, let me ask you this. Is there something he's got you want? I, I hear some of you say, oh, he wants my heart. No, he's already got you. He paid for you. Shed his blood for you. You, you belong to him, my friend. 
Even, when, even before, in fact, let me ask you this. Can I, can I really rock the boat here? This is radical. Andrew, is it okay if I be radical? I don't know. No, but, you know, it's radical, but think about this. I'm going to ask you, if you know your Bible, you know your New Testament, where in the New Testament does it ask you to give your heart to Jesus? I'll just, I, I, I mean, I've looked. I might have I might missed something. But everywhere in the New Testament, it's talking about us receiving him. I receive Jesus Christ. I, why? Because he already purchased me. When he died, he already did whatever it took for you to belong to him. What, is, what must I do? Well, I need to respond and say, yes, Jesus, I receive you. If I don't do that, I'm not partaking of what he did for me. And if that stays that way in my life, the day will come when I can't spend my eternity with him. But he's purchased it. Okay, come on, let me just, well, 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 well you know, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. See, a lot of people come and say, I, I'll give my life to Jesus. And, and, and I've given up all this stuff and, and God's not working in my life. You know you, what you're doing? You think that when you gave your life to Jesus, now God owes you. I see, I see some people that are like, what? You know, I mean, if we could just understand that Christ paid the price and when he paid that price, you, the world belongs to him. There's not a man on this planet that doesn't belong to God already. They just don't know it yet. They need to know what God has done for them. And when we tell them, their response must be, Yes, I receive you, Jesus. I accept what you did for me. And the moment you do that, there is relationship and friendship and intimacy. But you see, as long as we think, because you see, this is how we are. We think that a relationship is about I give, you give. Amen. Is this okay with you? It's pretty quiet in this. <laughs> Hallelujah. The second, the second thing that I looked at here, you know, is that this lame man's friends, they stayed friends with him no matter what. Oh my God, I'm just, uh, how many of you, you know, years ago, Christopher Reeves, how many of you remember, you know, Superman? Da -da -da -da. Now, you know, when he, when he had that accident and he became a quadriplegic, they showed, I think it was an Oprah one time, they sh just showed a day in Christopher Reeves' life. What it took, now, you know, I mean, this morning I woke up and I had, and I, I went and had a shower and got ready to come to the meeting. Now, the old, I don't know about you guys, but the older I'm getting, I realize it takes a lot of work to get this body going, to get this body cleaned up. Man, I, I was done this morning getting ready, and I had sweat beads on, the, on my forehead. And I thought to myself, what have you been doing? You know, I mean, it's like I'm tired already, and all I did was just get my body ready. And I know some of you guys, all you said, oh, it didn't take me long. I just kind of, you know, put some toothpaste in my mouth. And 
<laughs> Put my earring in, now it stays in. It's my silk underwear. I'm still, I'm still wondering how Andrew knows about that. <laughs> Does he have spies in the bathroom? No, I just... <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> love you, brother. Oh, is that what it is? Superman. <laughs> but you know, guys, here's the thing is, is that when, when I looked at that show, here's this paralyzed man. Man, what it took to get him ready, just to get him in a place where he could have an interview with Oprah. I mean, the work that went into it. And here's the thing. The people who worked with him had to be very intimately involved with stuff that he most probably never wanted to share with anybody. These four guys, they understood their friend was a paralyzed man and they said, I will stick with you no matter what. I mean, you know, there, there's some stuff about the, the, this, this man and his friends that when we look at this, you know, listen, people have their stuff. Anybody here got some stuff? We got our stuff, man. I mean, we got some stuff that we deal with. We, people, it, sometimes it's hard to be friends with other people. Why? Because they got their issues. They got their challenges. Some of them got physical challenges. Some of them have, you know, emotional challenges. Some people have, uh, you know, just spiritual challenges. And sometimes people have moral challenges. You know, we call them challenges, do they? Actually, problems, right? But we call them challenges. They're challenged in this area, all right? And sometimes it's hard to be friends with that. But here's, here's the thing that, that's awesome about this, is that in Proverbs 18 and verse 4, it says... And now the New Living Translation says beautifully. He says, there are friends who destroy each other. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And we know who he's talking about there, right? You know, when we, there's, there's, there's just no way. I heard this quote, and I want to read it to you. This is such a quote that, that I've, I've put this. I've put this on my mirror. It says, a true friend is a person who walks into your life when the whole world has walked out. A true friend. You know, I don't think that, it, that it's better demonstrated than, than when Jesus, when God sent Jesus to this world. God is our true friend and he stays your friend no matter what. Listen to what the scripture says here. Go with me to, to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. How's the time going? Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12. Well, let's read it from verse 15. Just for the time, time's sake. Verse 15 says... Uh, Amplified says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and to sympathize and to have a shared feeling with our weaknesses, our infirmities, the liability to the assaults of temptation, 
but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are yet without sin. So now let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us, that we may receive grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help, well-timed help, coming just when we need it. Now let me ask you, when is it, when, when do you need help? When you've messed up. You need help. Now he says here, we have a high priest. We have a friendship with a high priest that knows our failures, knows everything. He knows the whole deal about us. And he says, but you can still come to him anytime and you will find help. He will stick with you no matter what. No, come on now. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Amplified Bible says, let us, or let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, lust, uh, craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. Let me put it this way. Basically what he's saying there, if you read the whole context there, This is what he's saying. He's saying, don't allow your present circumstances to dictate to you your position with God. Don't let your present circumstances you're going through dictate to you if you're a friend of God or not, or if God's your friend or not. Because notice what he says here. I love this. He says, for he, God himself, has said. Turn to your friend, turn to your neighbor, say, this is what God says. This is what he says. How many of you know that God is faithful to his word, right? This is what he says. He says, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Amplified says, I will not, I will not, and if you don't get it, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Oh man, that is powerful. How many of us as believers, we struggle with this issue of abandonment? We struggle with this issue and we wake up every morning and we're not sure, is God going to be with me or not? Have I done something that God's going to withdraw from me, that he's going to withhold from me? He makes it very clear, my friend, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what goes on right now, no matter what you're involved with, not my, no matter what, willfully or unwillfully, whatever it is, God says you can know this one thing. I will not. I will not, I will not, assuredly I tell you, I will not forsake you. Man. But you know, Andrew and I were talking about it early on, you know, and, and, and here's the thing though, but we sing the song. How many of you like that song? Jesus, lover of my soul. And then we sing. Jesus, I will never let you know. Count on me, Jesus. No, 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 you don't understand. As you walk out here, you're going to let go. 
Tomorrow morning when you wake up and you've failed, you let go. But we should actually sing that song. I, 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 when I sing it, I change it. Jesus, lover of my life, Jesus, thank you, you will never let me go. See, that's an assurance. See, when God says he's your friend, you can be sure that there is no way he's going to let go. Once you accept that friendship, he is your friend for, not for life, for eternity. For eternity. Man, that's awesome. Can you, can you, can you handle some more? Hallelujah. The next thing that I looked at here is this, that friends, these, this man's friends cared enough about him to be involved in his life. You know, I, I think that's something that's lost in our world today. People don't want to be involved in other people's lives. They, they watch and they see, they see trouble coming. They see issues in your life and they say to themselves, it's not, it's not up to me. I don't, I, I don't need to get involved here. No, you see, these guys, they saw the issue in this man's life, and they saw what was going on, and they said, we, we care for you enough to get involved with your life. Why? Because we know your past, we believe in your future, we accept you the way you are right now, but we are not willing to see you stay this way. What's he, what do they do? There are three things that they do. They come and they say, they cared enough, number one, to be involved and to give of themselves. In fact, the Bible talks about, and we saw about, about that you know, yesterday, John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world. Again, that term, the world, is, you can just say people. God so loved people that he gave up his only begotten son. What did God give? He gave up everything. How, why do you say everything, Arthur? Well, Jesus is the one by whom all things consist everything that is made and exists today is because of jesus and god took see i tell people all the time i said you know god didn't sit there one day and say well how are you going to help man i guess what we'll do is we we don't want to risk too much so we'll find an angel in the backside of heaven somewhere that in a store that nobody knows about nobody cares about and we'll send him to die. So that if, if, if things go wrong, I mean, we don't suffer a lot of damage. No. He comes and he says, I'll send the one by whom all things consist. And, and, and a, lot, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, well, Jesus, and I know, thank God we know that Jesus couldn't have failed. But there was a possibility. The fact that it says he was tempted, I mean, Jesus didn't just act tempted. He didn't just walk around and think, okay, well, I guess this is a temptation, and I guess I need to act like I'm tempted. He was actually tempted. That means he was tempted, and if he was tempted, he was tempted to fail. And if he failed, my friend, everything ceased. God was willing to give up Jesus rather than give up on us. He was willing to give everything. He cared enough to give everything he had. True friendship is that we're, we're willing to give until it hurts. Amen. Number, number, the, the second thing about this, this being involved is that true friends care enough to be involved to the place that they will help with your burdens. You know, Jesus says, come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden and overburdened. 
I will give you rest. You know, the Amplified Bible says, if you are burnt out, worn out on religion, burnt out, worn out on religion. Anybody here burnt out, worn out on religion? Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. He says, come to me. Now, you know, the verse just before that, I wish I had time to go through all the, the verse just before that, he talks about, he says, no one knows the, the son like the father and no one knows the father like the son. And anyone to whom the son deliberately wills to make him known. You know, I used to think this. I know Jesus can show me the Father. He can make me known to the Father and the Father known to me, but I I wasn't sure if he wanted to. And he says, no, it says to everyone he deliberately wills. One day I was was going through that kind of mental thought pattern, and as I was going through that, the Holy Spirit just said to me, Arthur, there was nothing more deliberate than leaving heaven And coming down to this earth as a human being, becoming a human being, a man, dying on that cross, that is as deliberate as you can possibly get. Don't ever think that God is not. He has been as deliberate as He possibly can so that you could have intimate friendship with Him. I mean, He's not not trying to hide anything. Hallelujah. Is this helping you all right? Amen. The third thing that I looked at here is that that a friend cares enough to be involved by helping to carry your burdens. That's how I say. And number three, sorry, the friends uh, care enough to be. Oh, this is good. To be associated with you and not be ashamed. Oh Lord, you know. Hebrews 2 and verse 11 says, For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all one, for which cause he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call you his brethren. It's not God, when he says you're a friend, he says, I will be your friend. And you know what? You can't embarrass me. (laughs) I don't know about you guys. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just preaching to myself here today. Hallelujah. Come on. You can't embarrass. That, I mean, you, I used to think to myself, God, why would you want to hang around me? Because I always felt like I was embarrassing my family. You know, I, and many of you know my testimony. I was a dyslexic, couldn't read, couldn't write. I, I, I always believed I was, a, I was a, an absolute idiot and I would never amount to anything. So, you know, when you have that kind of mentality, then you suffer ter- terrible shame all the time. I was, I was ashamed. See, shame is not just being embarrassed. Shame is that you are ashamed of who you are. I was ashamed of who I was all the time. I felt that people didn't want to associate with me because I embarrassed them. Why would God want to be in, associated with and my best friend because I would just embarrass him? He says, I, you can't embarrass me. I'm not ashamed to be seen with you. You know, Jesus demonstrated this. Jesus walked up to Levi, a Pharisee, uh, a publican. Nobody in the world wanted anything to do with, I mean, they shunned him. They wouldn't, when they walked past him, they'd walk with their back towards him. Jesus walks up to him. Jesus doesn't say, now repent, if you repent, show forth fruits of repentance, and I can see that you really mean something here, that you really are, are." no, he just walked up to him and says, be one of my company. I'm I'm not ashamed to be associated with you. It rocked his world. I mean, you can imagine, he, he must have, like some of you are sitting there right now. 
you know, I, it's a, what? Jesus, do you know who you're talking to? I mean, people wouldn't even, then it's, just a verse later it says, and Jesus sitting in his house. You know, you don't understand. In those days, a Jew or, or Israelite would not even touch a publican or go into his house. Why? Because according to the law, you're unclean. Jesus is sitting at his table. In those days, when you sat at the table with somebody, you were making covenant of friendship. You know, many African, northern, northwestern African countries, it's still the same. People, they won't just invite you to sit down and eat with them until they are sure they want to be friends with you because the moment you sit down and share a meal, you have now made covenant of friendship. That means anybody who sees you there automatically assume friends, buddies. He still hasn't asked him to repent. Anybody here know, you know, I mean, you know what the, the, the Amplified says about Levi? He was a man with, no, with whom no self, no Jew would be seen with. He's an especially wicked Sinner. Anybody know especially wicked sinners? If, if you're invited to their dinner party. Now the Bible says this. And Jesus sat at, his, at meat in his house. And there were many other publicans and sinners. So that means there were more of them than there was of Jesus. What do sinners do? That's all they know. I, you know, I never, th- I, I, maybe you've never thought about it like this. Those people didn't know any better. When, when they asked, you know, one of, they were rich people. Yeah, rich, uh, there's, a, there's a place for sinners, but the Bible says there's two categories. Sinners, publicans. If you're a publican, you're not a sinner. You fall outside of the category of sinner. Sinner, you still got some help coming. <laughs> Publican, this, I mean, you're done. These guys were sitting, and when they sat there, they said, Hey, Levi, I'm thirsty, buddy. He didn't say, uh, Got some nice ice cold water, uh, iced tea. Would you like sweet or unsweet? I'm sure, they, I'm sure they, they drank. I don't see Jesus sitting there going, saying, <clears throat> uh, Guys, um, you know, of course, you can't do this when I'm here. I know I'm meddling with some of your ideas. No, what did he do? He just ministered to them, made friends with them. Did they change? I am sure they did. But he didn't demand it of them. Why? Because his friendship with them was not, didn't have an ulterior motive. He accepted them just the way they were. Hmm. Come on now. I'm not even halfway through, but you know... (laughs) hallelujah friendship with God I like this and I'll just give you this last I've got like four minutes this is not the last point but this is a good one true friends don't mind to get their hands dirty I mean these guys they saw listen we can't get through people here we can't so what we're going to do we're going to have to break down the roof 
You know what the Bible says about the law and about religion? <laughs> Jesus said this, Matthew 23, I think. He said, the Pharisees, legalistic system, will load you up with rules, regulations, with laws. And then they won't even lift their finger to help you. But you see, a true friend comes and says, I will do whatever it takes. I will come and I will get my hands dirty. You know what? I, I don't have time to go through the scripture. But the scripture really in Philippians, it says that Jesus came. And although he was God, he did not count that. He didn't look upon that as something to, 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 to keep hold of. He let go of his godly attributes, became a human being. And then it says, and then he humbled himself even further and got dirty with us and died for you. Got his hands dirty, more than his hands dirty. Why? Because let me tell you, God, no matter where you find yourself, no matter where the situation takes you, no matter what's going on in your life right now, God as a friend will move mountains, will, will get his hands dirty as it were, and he would get involved in your life, and he would change. You said to me, but Arthur, I've, I've, I've had God bail me out so many times. Well, let me tell you something, there's no end to God. I've had God, he'll do it again. And when you do it again, he'll do it again. He'll help until you can stand, until the change comes, until from inside you are are, are, are transformed by beholding him as your true friend. You know, many of us here today, I know you're sitting here thinking to yourself, boy, if I just had some other friends like that. You know, the Bible tells us, That if you want to be a true friend, show yourself friendly. You know, if you know these things about God, and you know His friendship towards you and what it means, then you can actually become a true friend to others. And there's a world out there that are just looking for people, men, that will stand up and say, you know what, I'll be your friend. I realize that you might not be easy to be friends with. Man, I've got some friends. There's one friend I have. um, I'll tell you right now. I've had times where I said, God, release me from this friendship. I mean, he is is a wonderful man. But he's just hard to be. he's 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 like coarse sandpaper. You get into his presence. I mean, he rubs you up the wrong way. I mean, and he doesn't even try. He just does it. I've been friends with him almost 20 years now. But you know, that's what the Bible says. Iron sharpeneth iron. I mean, I've learned stuff from him that I would never have learned from other people. But he's difficult to be friends with. But because I know God's friendship with me, I can at least begin. Like what Andrew says, I'm not there yet, but I have left. Amen. Are you going to leave? Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I thank you that although, Lord, we didn't get through it all, but that it does begin a precedent within our hearts that we will start to look at our friendship with you and see, Father, that it goes deeper 
than anything we have ever imagined. That when, as the scripture said, your love goes beyond understanding. Beyond imagination, Paul said. That means that even if we can come up with the wildest imagination of how deep your friendship and love goes, it even still goes further. And so, Father, we just thank you and receive today. Jesus, it is a done deal. It is so good to know, to rest, to fall and be enveloped in a friendship that we know has no ulterior motives, that accepts us the way we are, and will be there for us no matter what. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. That's awesome. Man, if we could just really appropriate the friendship with Jesus, I guarantee you every problem in your life would be worked out. That's awesome. You know, let me make just one real quick application. I know that Arthur could have done all of this, and he was trying to stay on track, but... Uh, once you have this relationship with God, well, then this is how you model everything else with all other relationships. And as he was talking about, uh, you know, friendships where people want to be your friend, but then they accept you and you've got to start changing. But a true friend just accepts you the way you are. In my estimation, this is what's wrong with most marriages, is that we accept that mate with the condition that you are going to become this. And we're in the process of trying to train, change our mate. And guys, I just want to encourage you that you need to receive God's love for you. But then you need to take this love and just accept your wife the way she is and not try and change her. And you may have things about her that you don't like. But you just need to accept her the way she is and give her that unconditional love. And I guarantee you that will change her quicker than anything else you could do. That's really awesome. So anyway, let's take a break. We will be back at 1030 and we'll start again.